Hey everyone, it's Pacific. As you're all very well aware, uh, we're currently on a holiday hiatus. Um, we're working on seasons four and five, both of which are coming very, very soon. But this week, we teamed up with Q-Code to make a very special episode in honor of their new show launching. Last Known Position is an eight-episode fiction podcast starring Gina Rodriguez that draws inspirations from big venture thrillers like Jaws and Godzilla. But the show is more about human grief, longing, and the search for answers. Over the course of a season, an interpersonal mystery unfolds between our ensemble of characters. In many ways, Last Known Position is a throwback to the 1970s mystery genre, on a boat and with a monster. Fourteen months after a state-of-the-art American commercial jetliner mysteriously vanishes over the Pacific, a crew of experts investigate, and a superyacht sets off on what looks like an expedition funded by a grieving billionaire to recover the flight and figure out what happened to his wife and daughter. But the crew soon discover that there's more to the expedition than let on, and what they eventually uncover is an ancient sea monster that has resurfaced with a troubling connection to the rapid advance for our global communication technology. Mysteries, monsters, and more. What else could you want? In honor of QCO launching their new show, Last Known Position, we teamed up to make a very special episode for our SCP fans. Uh, so what you're about to listen to is SCP-3000, also a story about oceanic monsters, memory loss, human grief, and more. So if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you go and check out Last Known Position. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts like Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Overcast, and more. You can also find a link to Last Known Position in our show notes below. And if you do check them out, let them know that we said hi. Without further ado, this week's episode. Warning. The Foundation database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure. Contain. Protect. Item number SCP-3000. Object Class, Thalmiel. Special Containment Procedures. The area containing SCP-3000, currently a region of the Bay of Bengal, roughly 300 kilometers in diameter, is to be routinely patrolled by Foundation naval vessels. Under no circumstances are civilians allowed to attempt deep-sea exploration or diving efforts in the quarantined area. Individuals believed to have contacted SCP-3000 are to be contained, quarantined, and processed at Site-151. Individuals affected by the anomalous properties of SCP-3000 are to be held in containment indefinitely. The Foundation submarine SCPF Ermita is to monitor the location of the foremost section of SCP-3000 currently located within the Ganges Fan, roughly 0.7 kilometers beneath the bay. The Aramida is tasked with carrying out the ATSAC protocol, and staffing regulations on board the vessel are subject to the guidelines of that protocol. For a full description of the ATSAC protocol, 
See Addendum 300.2. There is currently no known cure for exposure to SCP-3000. As such, affected individuals should be contained and quarantined for further evaluation. Individuals stationed aboard the SCPF Ermita are not permitted to leave the vessel except for the purpose of carrying out the necessary procedures of the ATSAC protocol. Individuals who leave the vessel without proper authorization are to be considered lost. Under no circumstances should any individual interact with SCP-3000 without authorization. Description SCP-3000 is a massive aquatic serpentine entity strongly resembling a giant moray eel. The full length of SCP-3000 is impossible to determine, but is hypothesized to be between 600 and 900 kilometers. The head of SCP-3000 measures roughly 2.5 meters in diameter, and the sections of the body proper are as large as 10 meters in diameter. SCP-3000 is typically a sedentary creature, only moving its head in response to certain stimuli or during feeding. The majority of its body is located in and around the Ganges fan and rarely moves at all. SCP-3000 is carnivorous and despite its sedentary nature, is capable of moving quickly to dispatch prey. Despite its size, it is hypothesized that SCP-3000 does not require sustenance to maintain its biological functions. While SCP-3000 excretes a thin layer of a viscous, dark gray substance classified as Y909 through its skin as it consumes prey, the end result of its digestive processes is currently unknown. SCP-3000 is a Class 8 cognitohazardous entity. Direct observation of SCP-3000 may cause severe mental alterations in viewers. Individuals who directly observe SCP-3000, as well as any individuals within an uncertain distance of SCP-3000, experience inexplicable head pain, paranoia, general fear and panic, and memory loss or alteration. The following is a log from Site-151's historical records, narrated by Dr. Eric Pritchard, about the initial discovery of SCP-3000 and the effects felt therein. The unease was felt throughout the entire crew as we descended on that first night. Whether this was due to our uncertainty of what we would discover, or something more sinister, I would not speculate. As we continued to descend, Williams began sweating profusely. When asked about it, he could not respond, stating that he thought he was missing something he could not deduce. As our descent continued, 
He began to act more and more erratically, at one point addressing myself as Darlene and expressing uncertainty as to the tasks he was assigned to handle. Similar feelings were expressed by other members of the crew, but Williams felt it the most. His mimetic resistance was by far the lowest of all of us, but he was a biologist, not a mimeticist. When he finally came into contact with the entity, he began whimpering and had to be sedated. I remember him muttering the word no over and over again, as if in disbelief. He went silent after a while as we approached its head, and when I looked back at him, something had gone from his eyes. He did not even so much as blink as we made our final descent. At around 0940 hours, we first observed the head of the entity. The unease was palpable now. Several other crew members complained of feeling hazy and of being uncertain what they were supposed to be doing. Captain Ritter, ever the man's man, wrote it all off as nitrogen intoxication and forced them to continue approaching the entity. When we were within 50 meters, the entity turned slowly to look at us. Even now, as I recall watching this thing coil around in the darkness, I can still hear Williams barking like a mad dog in the rear of the vessel, screaming and flailing, shouting about how he could see it in his head. Perkins and Harrison tried to restrain him, but he got free and smashed his face in against one of the portholes. He hit it so hard he cracked the inner layer of glass. The damage was bad enough that we had to surface. We tried to give Williams medical attention, but he was too far gone at that point. He had poked himself against the glass, and despite the trauma, he still spoke briefly as he lay dying. Nobody recorded it, but I remember it well enough. He said, There's nothing, nothing, nothing. By the time we had reached the surface several hours later, Williams was dead. At the time, I didn't think much about what he had said, just the ravings of a man gone mad by the depths, I'd figured. I didn't know any better. But even now, I can still see the eyes of the creature. I see it hanging there in the darkness, illuminated by a light I cannot source. And I feel the lingering dread that Williams must have felt that night in the submersible, as he was overcome by whatever void that foul thing slithered out of. Discovery SCP-3000 was discovered in 1971, shortly after two Bangladeshi fishing boats and 15 fishermen were reported missing after drifting near the Indian coast. As the country of Bangladesh had only been recently established at the time and had been subject to significant political persecution on the part of Pakistan, this incident received high-profile media attention due to fears that it was a result of foreign aggression. Local coastal dispatch units could not locate the missing boats, fueling further media hysteria. Foundation researchers stationed in Calcutta now, Kolkata, 
drew similarities between this disappearance and another incident two years earlier. A thorough search aided by Marriott Pashler counters revealed the location of the two boats, as well as an unknown, previously undiscovered mass deep below the surface of the Bay of Bengal. Further investigation by Foundation divers discovered the existence of SCP-3000. The area was quickly secured, and the current containment procedures were put in place in April of 1972. The ATZAC protocol was adapted in October of 1998. Addendum 3000.1 Initial Contact Exploration Log Note the following is the transcript of audio logs taken during initial deep-sea diver contact with SCP-3000. Until this point, no Foundation diver had come within 300 meters of SCP-3000. Divers were tasked with assessing the creature and determining the source of the thick, gray fluid that had been observed floating around its head. Dive team was comprised of three members of MTF Orion 9 Kingfishers, led by MTF 09 Alpha. Launch point was through the airlock of the Foundation submarine SCPF Stravinsky. All divers were equipped with high pressure suits, as well as front facing headlamps. Additionally, a tether was connected to MTF 09 Alpha which was then connected in a T-shape out to both Bravo and Foxtrot. All right, Command. We're situated in the airlock and ready to roll. Confirmed. Go ahead and sound off. Orion 9, Alpha, check. Orion 9, Bravo, check. All right, folks. We're in position about 500 meters from the head of this creature. Make sure your tethers are on good and tight. We don't want any of you getting separated out there. What's visibility like down here today, Command? Stand by. About three meters. So, it's dark as fuck. Got it. Why are we so far out? The size of this thing is hard to comprehend, and it's wrapped up in itself in several places. We can't get too close because there's too much body there. The entity hasn't moved in about three weeks. At all? Affirmative. It moves slightly with the currents down here, but nothing more than that. If it weren't for the head movements that was observed by the first submersible team, we probably wouldn't know if it was alive or not. That's reassuring. All right, tethers are tight. Flood the chamber. Confirmed. Rushing water is heard as the airlock chamber floods. out for long then. Turn on your lights, boys. Here we go. All members of the dive team exit the airlock. There is a low mechanical sound as the airlock door closes behind them. Hey, Alpha, I, uh, maybe this is a bad time to ask, but 
I can't remember how to turn on my lamp and... Your lamp is on, Foxtrot. It... what? What did you call me? Your designation, Mulhaney. Foxtrot. I'm Foxtrot, boss. Hang on, what are you talking about? I don't understand what you mean by designation. It's your goddamn call sign, Bravo. What do you mean? Who's Bravo? I... Oh, shit. Hang on. I was going to say something. Barry, are you still there? At this point in the recording, Alpha mentions Barry. It is believed she is addressing a former member of the command team assigned to SCP-3000, Barry Hughes, who had passed away two years prior. Stand by. Go for command. Hey, we're having a little trouble out here. I'm not sure who. We seem to have some confusion over designations, and I'm not sure where we're going. Where exactly are we? God, do you... do you guys feel that? I've just got an awful headache. It's like needling in my brain something. Dive team, be advised that we believe you may be experiencing some detrimental cognitive effects. Keep moving forward, and we'll give you more information as we receive it. Noted. Command be advised that Foxtrot has a, uh, terrible headache. I think. Are we going in the right direction? We can't see out here. You are roughly 150 meters from the head of the entity, Alpha. You should be getting a visual soon. Command, I don't see anything. Where are we? Where are we? We're almost there, Alpha. Dive team, be advised. We're picking up movement from the entity on radar. I... Barry, I don't see anything down here. What are we supposed to be looking? All I can see is darkness. There's a chill, foul wind blowing. Pushing me towards a brink I can't see. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Command Bravo is unresponsive, requesting immediate cessation of mission. Wait a second. On the edge of the nothingness, inches from oblivion, there's... There's a sickness in my mind that I know can't be cured. Beyond me is only blackness. A single pair of dark eyes. What? What are you saying? Dante, we're going to pull you back in immediately. We have reason to believe that- Barry? Is that you? How can it be? I shoveled the dirt during your... I can hear something over there. Alpha, your light! Get your fucking light! Silence. Only silence. My consciousness coming undone and only... And only... And only... Dive team, something is moving toward you. Repeat. Something is moving toward you. Prepare to return to... this is shit. I can't see. How far are we from... It's right there! It's right there! And only the eel remains. Radio silence for 20 seconds. Alpha? Radio silence for 13 seconds. Alpha? Bravo, Foxtrot? Do any of you hear us? Thank God. Bravo, you need to speak up. We can't... Radio silence for 10 seconds. Something has bound up the winch between you and us. We can't... Shh! It's opening its mouth. It's so dark. There's, uh... Where am I? What? Barry? How can it be? I shoveled dirt! Mulhaney, swim! Get away! There's only darkness! Swim! Only. There is suddenly tension in the tether attached to the Stravinsky. 09 Foxtrot's radio goes silent, 
there is the sound of a struggle through the other two radios. Foxtrot? Alpha? Bravo? Talk to me. Stay calm. What happened? silence for 30 seconds. Tether attached to Stravinsky is pulled free from its moorings and disappears. Alpha? Bravo? Do you copy? Radio silence for five seconds. This is Bravo. I'm... I'm floating in the dark. I can see shapes moving through the fog, but they're hard to make out. I cut my tether. Alpha wouldn't Acknowledged. We're coming to- Hang on. Just let me think for a second. Cognition. This thing. It doesn't work around it. Your brain can't form thought. It hurts. It's like dying and- Bravo. Do you have eyes on the entity? It's in my head, guys. Coiled up in there like a snake. And something about it is caustic. I can see it, just in front of me. It's not doing anything, it, it's, it isn't moving. It's just hanging there, with its mouth open. I think it's finished eating. That fluid is seeping through the skin around its head, about a meter back. Just looking at the stuff is making me... spinning. I feel nauseous. Wait. This is wrong. That wasn't me. Who said that? My... I'm going to collect a sample. Hang on. Bravo, we're going to send out a crew to get you. Just hold on. Oh no. Don't do that. Not... You have to be trained to not feel the things I'm feeling. Otherwise, it will get into you. Maybe it will anyway. Who knows? It feels like the end of the world down here, fellas. My heart is really going off the charts, and I think I'm dying. Just... I got a sample. I'll attach it to one of those little balloons and let it float up. You'll be able to get it later. Don't spend too much time around that stuff. It... it doesn't... Your mind... Bravo? I think I'm dying. I'm dying. I know I'm dying. This is it. I just want to get away from here. You know, it occurs to me. <laughs> Don't send anyone else out here. It's so dark. Bravo. Over the next half hour, the SCPF Stravinsky attempted to approach 09 Bravo with no success. Command continued to attempt to communicate with 09 Bravo, but Bravo grew increasingly unintelligible 
before eventually going completely silent. Bravo's radio stayed active over the next three days, and intermittent breathing could be heard until the radio ceased functioning. Hey everyone, Pacific here with a quick ad break, and a reminder that you can get ad-free and bonus episodes at our Patreon at patreon.com scp underscore pod. And now, back to the show. Addendum 3000.2 At Zach Protocol Preface The following protocol was developed in conjunction with researchers from Site 29 and Site 50, as well as researchers stationed at Site 151. Some sections may have been redacted to remove material above this classification. Adherence to this protocol is required for all personnel assigned to Site 151, as well as all personnel assigned to the SCPF Ermita. Abstract The 151 Hollister ADZAC protocol has been developed and implemented to create a strategy for the management of the Y909 chemical compound excreted by SCP-3000. Protocol Information The Y909 compound, originally discovered by the late Dr. Connor Coleman, is a critical component in several modern and experimental amnesthetic compounds. Specifically, the following amnesthetics now contain a refined version of the Y909 compound, Class A, D, E, X, XX, and experimental compounds, ADZAC, Foster, and Ellipse. The inclusion of the Y909 compound has shown a marked increase in the stability and long-term effectiveness of the aforementioned amnestics. Overall, amnestics utilizing Y909 break down uh, 78% slower than their standard counterparts in cold storage and 52% slower than their standard counterparts at room temperature. Additionally, individuals administered an amnestic regimen utilizing Y909 show a marked increase in suggestibility, memory clearance, and a significant decrease in additional side effects such as nausea, vomiting, bowel distress, blurred vision, headaches, insomnia, heart damage, and others. Individuals treated with these amnestics expressed significantly fewer intrusive memories as those without Y909. With some individuals exposed to experimental compounds expressing no intrusive memories whatsoever, even at the 5 and 10 year marks. Due to the effectiveness of these treatments with the addition of uh, Y909, the continued inclusion of this compound is essential to modern Foundation amnestic application. Reliance on the continued use of Y909 necessitates its collection for the foreseeable future, as a synthetic version of the compound has not yet been discovered. Addendum 3000.3 Psychological Evaluation Note, on December 20th, 2009, Level 3 researcher, Venkatraman Krishnamurthy, 
attempted to exit out the Ermita's aft airlock without diving equipment, but was quickly restrained and the airlock cycle aborted. Despite having a CRV of 26 and having not displayed any previous signs of depression or suicidal attempt prior to his assignment aboard the Ermita, Krishnamurthy was interviewed by staff clinical psychologist Dr. Anand Manava to acquire a better understanding of SCP-3000's potential effect on his psyche. Hi, Venkat. How are you feeling? Unwell. That's what I hear. Do you want to talk about what happened today? Krishnamurthy is silent. Um, we don't have to. If, if, if you want to talk, we can certainly talk about something else. I'm tired, Anand. I understand. This assignment has been stressful on all of us, and I just feel... It's not. No, it isn't a stress. I've done this before. I've been on... I don't actually know if I've done this before. You have? I don't remember it. Any of it. I've been getting these out-of-context feelings, like my body reacting to reflexes it didn't know it had. Everything is so disconnected, and trying to keep it together is... I'm just tired. Venkat, when did you start feeling this way? How long have we been down here? I don't remember. I don't know when. I honestly don't. I wish I could tell you more than that, but I have nothing. I look to that place in my mind, and there's something else there, or sometimes nothing at all. What do you mean, something else? I've been having other people's dreams, Anand. I see faces I don't recognize, places I know I've never been, or maybe I have. I don't know. How can I know what is real or not when I can't trust my own mind? Well, maybe I can help you with that. You know, we can go over things you've forgotten, and I can... Don't patronize me. I know you felt it, Anand. Your mind gets hazy. Parts of you start to slip. Your memories grow faint, fading in and out until they're gone, or worse, replaced. You see pasts that aren't yours. Experiences that you never lived. You start to become other people, or... Nobody at all. Venkat, please. I am just trying to help. Do you even know my work before we met? Come to think of it. I don't even remember how we met. I know your name, I know that you're a psychologist, but are we friends? Are we brothers? I don't know how I know you. We work together, I know that. I still have that. But other things, they come and go. I don't know if I am married, or have children. I see. And that, that isn't the worst of it. I know that this is happening to me. I know that my mind is coming apart... But there's something else in there, too. Something rising out of the... After the smoke of my smoldering consciousness. That eel. The eel? I don't... I don't remember my mother. I can hear her voice, but I can't remember her face. I can't remember how she smelled or how she... But what I do remember is she told me about God's. There is a god called Anan Tashisha, a serpent, the king of serpents, said to lie beneath Vishnu in the cosmos, a six-headed snake god. Isn't that something? Yes, I am familiar. Ah, of course. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She... 
I don't remember much, but I do remember that she told me about how Anantashisha would would linger past the end, gaze upon the darkness past the end of time. She said that when the light of the universe had gone out, all that would be left is Anantashisha. I have worked my entire life for the Foundation, so much as I can recall. I have struggled to build my name and my reputation and done everything I can do to leave something, anything, some kind of mark that says I was here, but... What is it? I I believe that SCP-3000 is a nun Tashisha. I believe that this, this aberration, this treachery against cognition is the result of us being in the presence of a god, not just a god, but a god who exists across all time, all at once, and even beyond. Maybe maybe some part of the nothingness beyond the edge of time is part of Anantashisha as well. Maybe it acts as, as a conduit, some kind of... Venkat, please, we are scientists. We are not going to engage... No, let me finish. In defiance of the nothingness that comes after this, all of this, there is Anantashisha. There's a chance that my memories might live on, that I might be remembered like the memories I've seen have been through me. I don't... I don't have proof of this, but when I looked into its eyes and saw what it showed me, I was afraid. I'm merely a mediocre man, Anand. This was a fear I have refused to acknowledge for years. A fear of irrelevance, that no one will know who I am when I die. Afraid of being forgotten. Afraid of my life being meaningless. Afraid of being alone. Afraid of dying... There is a terror within me that I cannot reconcile, Anand. I won't lie to you and tell you that the maw of the nugget does not terrify me as well. But between this and the infinite dark I have gazed into, I have made up my mind. Addendum 3000.4 Incident Video and Audio Log After two days of containment within a secure holding cell on board the Ermita, orders were received to lift the hold order on Dr. Krishnamurthy in accordance to the term of the ATSAC protocol. Three hours after Dr. Krishnamurthy was released from his holding cell, the following incident took place. 2.19 a.m. Krishnamurthy stands near the entrance to the Ermita's aft airlock. Subject is facing away from nearest camera. Proximity alarm is triggered. Exterior floodlights activate. SCP-3000 is still not visible. Command is alerted, and Ermita's engines engage, preparing for evasive maneuvers. Krishnamurthy is startled by proximity alarm and begins to appear panicked. Subject continues to look at entrance to the aft airlock. Subject turns briefly towards nearest camera and is observed to be weeping. Krishnamurthy slowly approaches aft airlock and opens airlock door. Subject enters airlock and primary access door seals behind the subject. Interior airlock camera captures Krishnamurthy staring at exterior airlock door for a full two minutes, unmoving. After two minutes, subject collapses on the ground. All cameras shudder as primary turbines spin up. SCP-3000 
is visible on radar, approaching SCPF Ermita. SCP-3000 is not visible on exterior cameras. 2.26 AM, Krishnamurthy stands and approaches diving suit locker. Subject puts on a high-pressure deep-sea diving suit and then moves towards exterior door controls. Subject engages exterior door latch. Interior airlock camera is obscured by rushing water. Secondary alarm is triggered by airlock breach. Personnel on the bridge attempt to close airlock, but Krishnamurthy has already exited the airlock. Krishnamurthy hangs in the water behind the aft section of the airmita, illuminated by the exterior floodlights. Subject is motionless. SCP-3000 slowly appears from out of the darkness. Krishnamurthy remains motionless. Exterior cameras shudder as Ermita begins to reverse towards Krishnamurthy. Rescue teams have assembled in the airlock chamber. SCP-3000 approaches Krishnamurthy. Its mouth begins to open. Ermita sounds horns, but neither SCP-3000 or subject appear to notice. SCP-3000 moves to just above Krishnamurthy. Subject appears to look up into the now fully expanded jaw of SCP-3000. Ermita begins to flash external floodlights. Airlock opens. SCP-3000 strikes and quickly consumes Krishnamurthy. Then... SCP-3000 disappears into the darkness and is no longer visible on exterior cameras. Rescue crews are recalled. Crew begins to initiate ATSAC protocol. Addendum 3000.5 Personal Journal of Dr. Manava Note The following are excerpts from the personal diaries of Dr. Anad Manava. Dr. Manava has kept several journals during his assignment and has reported that it is beneficial to counteract the psychological and memory-affecting properties of SCP-3000. I come to bury Venkat, not to praise him. Psychologically speaking, Having your memories affected like his is not a pleasant experience for anyone. I really shouldn't be surprised he chose to relieve himself from having his memories meddled with. After all, it is incredibly alarming. Being briefed on its effects, however, doesn't change the fact that I need to constantly keep tabs on all staff, myself included, and ground us to reality. I'm supposed to submit a full psychological report now detailing what has gone wrong, why staff members turn suicidal, and a full analysis of possible ways to prevent this from happening again in the future to the O5 and Site Director Knox, then have it reviewed and some new regimen designed to prevent such a travesty from happening again.
Venkat was always more religious than I am. Right at the end of his life, he was riffing on Anantashesh, a primordial Hindu snake god, and rambling about eternity. Now, I'm not going to question the legitimacy of his beliefs and his claims, but this is quite the enigma. And I suppose I should consider myself lucky that the assignment is relatively benign compared to previous assignments that I've had. I don't think this is a mythical eel. Anomalous, maybe, but not really that extraordinary. It's funny, I spent the last 30 years blocking out everything my father wanted to teach me about Hinduism, and now I'm racking my brain trying to remember anything he had to say about it. I want to say that it's because of the eel, but if I'm being honest with myself, I simply tried to forget all his teachings. Maybe not at the beginning, but certainly by the end. I can barely even remember what he looked like. But I do remember how angry he got when I couldn't remember the names of my grandparents or my great uncles. He was desperate to preserve his cultural heritage, and I did everything I could to spite him. On his deathbed, he begged me to perform the traditional last rites after his death, but I was so angry at him that I tore them up in front of him. I can't even remember why. The only memories I have of him are, are of how he made me feel. He spent almost 20 years trying to pass down our heritage and all I have now is anger and hatred and regret. December 28th, 2009. Site director Knox gathered the staff this morning for a short morning. After a few brief and laconic eulogies, he took me aside and told me that Venkat's replacement will come in a few weeks, and as he kept no contact with his family, it's likely his belongings will just be disposed of, and are now technically foundation property. The director indicated that if I want to keep a thing or two from him, I should do so now. His office was relatively unremarkable. His cushy, squashed chair cushion, few office toys, and lots of marine biology books that I should probably check out someday. The only thing I took was a statue of Ganesh that stood next to the window. Not fully sure why myself, but he's now sitting on the bookshelf next to a picture of myself, my wife and our daughter at a lakeside terrace. It was a pretty unremarkable trip to some tourist trap in Lucknow, but this is really one of our best-looking pictures. We're going under again tomorrow. February 5th, 2010. All of the D-class managed to stay put this week, which is good. Other than the routine depression and memory loss from exposure to SCP-3000, 
everything was in order. Sometimes I'm a bit envious of them. All they know is that they're scooping gunk off of some big eel. They don't know if it's important or why it's critical that they collect it and how much it helps us. Of course, one saving grace of being on the psychological division for the ATSAC project is the awareness of its potential effects. I'm aware of what's happening to my psyche. I know that I have memories that are being drained, pieces that are being lost right now. I recall images of a young man on a bicycle in front of a schoolyard gate looking like it was the 80s when I was in Singapore and he was laughing, yet I, I don't know if this man is a friend, a, a lover, a son, a family friend. I don't know who this young man is. Perhaps he's Italian, uh, Australian, uh, maybe this isn't even a cherished memory at all. I looked at the Ganesh statue and the picture of my family again. It's really quite a shame. I truly forgot mostly anything that I've done with them. I've started trying to learn some Hindu poems and songs. I went out and got a copy of the Vedas, but I, I can't memorize the lines properly. I've been reflecting on what Venkat told me before he passed, though. His deep, deep-seated fear of mediocrity. Unable to rise out of the sea of humans that walk on the face of this earth. He's worked for the Foundation for years, and, and while he isn't one of the most well-known and household names of the Foundation, he's not exactly obscure. He's been the Foundation's leading marine biologist and go-to expert for anything aquatic, and he's quite well-revered. I'm actually quite surprised by his jealousy. He was never the flashy and bombastic type, and I would have never guessed that he wanted fame and recognition. Perhaps he really was afraid that he was doomed to be stuck in mediocrity. Perhaps the silence of this place reminded him of something worse. Addendum 3000.6 Memorandum on ADZAC Brief Some new assignments had questions about our work here, so I'm publishing this to clear most of them up. Feel free to contact my office if there are any others. The ADZAC protocol is a method for gathering and processing the Y909 compound. It's a thick, brackish gray fluid that SCP-3000 excretes as part of its metabolism. We don't know the exact method by which it does this, but we have some ideas. And none of them are great for us. Initially, we thought it was bleeding. The first team we sent down there to look at SCP-3000 went down to collect blood samples for analysis. When SCP-3000 attacked and consumed them, it began producing more of the substance. And we realized that we were looking at something different entirely. It's definitely not blood. It's more akin to a prion slurry. 
It's extremely toxic, and spending too much time around the stuff causes a lot of the same effects as exposure to SCP-3000 does. Paranoia, memory loss, suicidal thoughts, the list goes on. Refining the raw Y909, what the processors call eel jelly, allows us to create amnestics more effective than we've ever had access to in the history of this organization. Herein lies the ethical dilemma. SCP-3000 only creates Y909 after eating, and it only eats humans. Remember when I said we had some ideas about how it does it? Some of our biologists have hypothesized that SCP-3000 is breaking down whatever makes sapient creatures, well, sapient, filters it through some part of its skin, and then the residual ether is what we collect. You want to know something really fucked up? We've taken radiographs of this thing, tried to see what's going on inside of it, it's full of dead human bodies. It's not digesting them at all. It's doing something else. And the end result is Y909. When we first started using Y909 in our amnestics program, we tried to synthesize it. We got something close to what we were looking for, Y919, but the side effects were catastrophic. The amnestic would work, we could get people to forget events, people, and so on, but then they would start to forget other things too. The mental deterioration would rapidly increase until there was nothing left. And then, they would die. A few of those researchers thought we might be able to figure out how to decrease the severity of the side effects, but the cost to continue those trials would have been astronomical. So, the program was discontinued. It's no secret that what we're doing here is abhorrent. The Ethics Committee, the Classification Committee, they're looking at ways to make this more tolerable than what it is. But the hard truth is, if we want to continue to use modern amnestics, we have to have Y909. If we want to have Y909, we have to feed D-Class to SCP-3000. Otherwise, we'd be forced to go back to the metaphorical Dark Ages, where we were amnesticizing people with opiates and chloroform. The good news is, we've developed ROVs that should be able to take over the job of collecting raw material from our dive teams. This will eliminate any chance of accidental casualties, like we've had in the past. And is a good first step. For everything else, only time will tell. Knox. Addendum 3000.7 Personal Journal of Dr. Manava Note The following is the full text of a page penned in the hand of Dr. Manava, which was ripped out of a journal and placed on his nightstand. I have spent a considerable amount of time on this assignment, attempting to understand the underlying effects of individuals exposed to a Class 8 cognito hazard. I have conducted numerous personnel interviews, written a great many psychological reports, but I have not been able to properly deduce what about this creature would lead to a perfectly sane man out the door of that airlock and into the maw of the eel. 
earlier this week, as I was preparing my notes for another report, I accidentally knocked the picture of myself, my wife, and my daughter off my nightstand. The glass shattered as it hit the ground, and the picture fell out. As I cleaned it up, I noticed something written on the reverse of the image. It said, Anand, Shanti, and Padma, June 2002. But the writing was not mine. It was Venkat's. I was puzzled by this. Why would Venkat have written on the back of a picture of mine? I thought little of it at the time and cleaned up the mess and went about my day, but this question stuck with me. It was a little thing, easily explained in a number of ways, but I could not seem to shake the notion of uncertainty. It was not until last night that a horrifying thought struck me, one that I just could not sleep on. I accessed the Foundation personnel archives and realized a truth that I cannot reconcile. Shanti was Venkat's first wife. Padma was his daughter. The records are clear. The life I remember, the experiences I'm certain I have had with them, are the experiences and memories of Venkat. Not me. I have never been married. And I have no children. But even now, I can see my wife in my mind. Hear her laughter. Smell her hair. But I know now that it is Venkat I see her through, not me. The horror of this realization has been replaced with a sort of dread. I've figured out what the eel does. Something about it, some latent part of its creation, abhors cognition. It breaks down human consciousness and scatters that part of us that we believe is a soul until all that remains is what we really are. Electrical signals that will someday become inert. If even I can't remember myself, how can I expect anyone else to remember me? I've forgotten my own life and I'm strangely apathetic at this revelation. I will fade into the darkness as thousands before me have and thousands after me will. No one will care as I am forgotten. I do not despair for my own sake, but for us all, you and I. We will all face obliteration. I am not important. You are not important. Vast droplets of irrelevancy stretching eons in the sea of time. We may fight against it, but our enemy is inevitability. I do not think that the eel is Anantashesh. I don't think it would matter even if it was.
what is clear to me now, as I feel myself coming apart, is not that the eel is some mythological creature or divine serpent. Perhaps it's just a primitive creature that eluded us, holding no malice. Perhaps it really is a primordial deity, harboring resent beneath the surface. The eel is not the harbinger of my demise or humanity's doom. The eel is not the end of all things. It only shows us what the end looks like. And in spite of everything we might believe, every ideal we hold or providence we pray for, I know this much is true for all of us. Our end will be a forgotten one. Note, Dr. Manava was later discovered unresponsive near the aft airlock. Evidence suggested that Dr. Manava had broken into the onboard storage locker and ingested a significant amount of raw Y-909. Dr. Manava was moved off of the Ermita and remains at Site 151 for analysis. This episode is possible thanks to our patrons. And it featured the name of two of our patrons, Eric Pritchard and Connor Coleman, as, respectively, Doctors Pritchard and Coleman. If you're interested in getting a character named after you, or hearing your name at the credits, head over to patreon.com scp underscore pod. And joining us this month was a number of new patrons, including... Bluebolt40... Logan Hawks, Adam Palmer, Matthew Smith Deal, Crystal, Deborah B, Nurko, Joseph Morris, Mint, Andrew Farr, Camel Pope, Jordan Arntz, Wish Dragon, Doom Shadow, Andrew Birmingham, Thanatos, Jack Sawyer, Where Do I Go? Sam Robinson, Devek Alisardian, and Porco Nico. SCP-3000 was written by A Random Day, DJ Cactus, and Jorith. Our narrator was Brandon Nguyen. Dr. Pritchard was Brandon P. Jenkins. Dr. Coleman was Russ Moore. Alpha was Risa M. Bravo was Damon Alums. Foxtrot was Eric Kemp. Command was Alyssa Park. Krishnamurthy was Anver Mahmood. Manava was Sushant Adlaka. And Knox was Pacific S. Obadiah. Our assistant editors are Danny Sweet and Hannah McKinley. Our intro and outro theme music was done by the incredible Tom Rory Parsons. And I'm your showrunner and sound designer, Pacific S. Obadiah. And our producers are Tom Owen and Brad Miska. And this is a bloody disgusting podcast. <laughs>